Inizialmente, quando ero giovane, So, when I was younger, I was always quite scared of the technical part because I considered myself to be much more artistic, but then going into it professionally, um, it was a good challenge for me and I realised that understanding the technical part well allows me to be more artistic. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are heading back to Italy. Today we are talking with Laura Visigali, a tremendous photographer with some really evocative, moody, compelling work. And, and once again, we get to talk to Abby Prowse. Abby, you may remember from an earlier podcast, is a translator, someone who can make the Italian and the English work together seamlessly, which is a skill I envy and don't have even an ounce of. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you, Scott. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing great. Now, you're over east of Milan, more near Venice and stuff. What's been up for the last couple of months? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. In Italy in August, people tend to take the whole month off for vacation. So I'm sort of getting back into the swing of working and having a really <laughs> um, But it's been nice. I did a, like a small road trip around the north of Italy during August as well. So it's been it's been all good. Although summer is definitely over here now. Autumn is fully on its way. Oh, I'm envious. Well, thank you for bringing your talents back to Frames Magazine. This is essential work, and it's lovely to be able to talk to people all over the world because there are people like you who can translate the different languages. So, <laughs> Laura, welcome. Welcome to Frames Magazine. It's a pleasure to have you today. You are, I'm going to explain this to everybody out there, you are an architect. You you've, you came into photography around 2008, and you are a Getty photographer. You've had um, gallery exhibitions. You've got a wonderful book out there with Blurb. Really, really impressive work. So welcome. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you, Scott. Very good. So tell me what life is like in Venice this, this, well, this evening for you, this morning for me. What do you see when you look out your window? So right now, in this moment, I can see my garden, which is small. I mean, it has like a small swimming pool as well that we use in the summer with a couple of sunbeds. Uh, so nothing really too interesting at the moment. I don't know. A small garden and a small pool sounds absolutely <laughs> lovely to me. I, <laughs> I'm about as jealous as I can be at the moment. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Laura, tell me about... The very young Laura. T tell me about, you know, before you were an architect, before you were a designer, tell me about how these ideas even got into your head. So my earliest memories as a child when I was about two or three years old, I can remember that I was always interested in photos. My parents had like a large box of photographs that I would spend days going through and getting the pictures out and looking through them. Oh, various. You, you studied art and photography in high school. So had you already identified as a photographer? 
Ma io, diciamo, so at high school I studied more sort of interior design, so I studied photography much less than I studied say art or architecture, but when I was 17 years old I was actually given a like an old manual film camera so I started right away taking pictures and I always had an idea of being a photographer after that. Why the interest in architecture and design? I've always loved creating and being creative and when I was a child I spent a lot of time drawing and designing, I used to draw houses and things so when it came to being able to study architecture and at a, like a deeper level I knew that I became interested in how certain spaces and like urban areas were designed. There is a very technical side to architecture as well as the artistic side. Um, did, was that equally interesting to you? Inizialmente, quando ero giovane. So, when I was younger, I was always quite scared of the technical part because I considered myself to be much more artistic, but then going into it professionally, um, it was a good challenge for me and I realized that understanding the technical part well allows you to be more artistic. Clearly, there's a lead in here to your photography, <laughs> which is where I'm going. The technical uh, proficiency certainly does lead to be more artistic or to have more tools for an art artistic expression. How would you describe the buildings or the rooms or whatever you've described? Because there's everything from Baroque to Brutalist to, you know, whatever you want to call it. If I were to look at, at, at a Visigali building, what would I see? <laughs> So Laura works more in restoration and restructuring than she does in architectural design. So a lot of her work is based on taking older buildings and restoring them. In terms of what she has actually designed, it's more um, sort of urban spaces and buildings per se. But if she were to design a building herself, she said that she would lean more towards the sort of modernist movement. But something that really interests her is the language of the materials that she uses. So making the most of like knowing how to best use the materials that are being worked with. Oh, that is very cool. And, and Laura, I see, I, I don't know if you see it, but I, I see a direct connection between the work that you're doing as an architect and then your collages and, and your multiple exposure stuff, which we're going to get to uh, in just a minute, because I, I, I am absolutely in love with your photography. Before, before we get into the work you're doing, though, there, there's one more story I want to hear from your background, and that is you call out that in 2008, you bought your first digital SLR and that changed everything. So tell me that story. Allora, um she went on holiday with a friend in 2008 and that friend had a digital camera and she would take pictures and upload them all onto Flickr which is something that uh, Laura hadn't heard of um, because she had stopped taking pictures at that point however she then was convinced because her friend was trying to convince her to buy this camera she was convinced so she bought a camera and she started to put the pictures up onto Flickr herself you, you describe it as transforming a mere passion, I love that phrase, a mere passion into an obsession. Why? Allora, 
Basically, film, buying film can be costly and there are lots of problems related to using a film camera. You know, you really have to understand it and know how to use it. Whereas digital photography is much more simple, much more accessible. And because she works from home, during her breaks, she started to experiment with mirrors and glass and light and different mediums with her digital photography. I'm I'm fascinated by this this little change here because a lot of people would simply go outside and start taking street photography or you know landscape photography or travel. Um, you turned inward to the, to the mirrors and that kind of stuff. Why is is that just natural for you? Was that an accident or a decision? How did that change happen? Guarda, no, in realtà è successo per caso e ti dirò che una serie di autori So, it sort of happened by accident, okay, let's say. So, a lot of the, the great artists that are famous for that sort of work, such as Kirst, she actually discovered them afterwards and didn't really know much about photographers at the beginning. But working with reflections and light like that is, is her way of reading reality. She finds reflections and light like that fascinating and she can't help but notice them. Did you say, we're going to get a little bit of philosophy here, you say you find reflections and mirrors an avenue to something deeper, and yet it'd be easy to argue that really it's, it's a reflection of just yet another surface. What about the reflection, what about the mirror to you is aesthetically and philosophically profound? The question is something that Lara has also been asking herself recently because she believes it's something that is subconscious. Recently she's been going through a few changes in her life and also in her photography and she thinks that she's grown and, and got better with this and she now has a better understanding of it. And it allows you to see things differently that you perhaps wouldn't see with the naked eye if you take a picture of it. So you maybe notice details that you wouldn't have noticed in reality. Oh, that, that is wonderful. I want to tell everybody who's listening, there is, of course, a website out there. It's Laura Visigali. I'm, I'm gonna, here's your spelling test. L-A-U-R-A-V-I-S-I-G-A-L-L-I dot carbonmade, C-A-R-B-O-N-M-A-D-E dot com. So lauravisigali.carbonmade.com with some wonderful examples of extraordinary work. Laura, I, I want to talk about a series here that you call Single Cuts. And I, I'm fascinated by the story. These are monochrome self-portraits, and yet not one of them is a single image. They are all collages. They are all assemblies of, of self-portrait images. But before I describe one, Tell me how this series came to be and, and describe for people what it is we're looking at and why. The series in English is actually now called I'm Not Perfect and it's a series of self-portraits that were taken when Laura was at a point in her life that was a bit difficult and she was a bit unwell and she noticed that her face, her expressions were a little bit down, a little bit sad and she also noticed that her face wasn't symmetrical so half of her face was happy and, and sort of smiley and the other half 
was slightly sadder and slightly darker. So she decided that to give the full expression, she would put the two halves together and mix the portraits. Riesce ad ottenere mischiando, diciamo, le due parti. And they are wonderfully evocative portraits. The in English, the "I'm not perfect." You put the "not" in parentheses, so you're able to double the meaning there. You've got "I am perfect" and "I'm not perfect" simultaneous, even in the title. And then, of course, that's expressed by the images uh, as well. But these are these are not widely divergent expressions. This isn't like comedy and tragedy, you know, the, the theater uh, masks. On a couple of these images, you have to look pretty closely to realize it's not a single image. So tell me about how you imagine people encountering these images. When people look at the pictures, there are some people who look at the images and focus on the ones where Laura looks good and looks pretty, almost like a selfie, and they focus on the aesthetic of the image. There are others who understand the meaning behind it and get the irony that she's trying to portray, and others who are maybe trained as architects or photographers themselves can appreciate the like the technical side of it and the graphic side of it as well. One of my favorites uh, for people that are looking at the website is the one, uh, it doesn't have a title that I'm aware of, but it has triangular inserts into the uh, portrait. There's a hand near the top, uh, whatever's in the, the, the bottom triangles is, is out of focus. But lots of interesting inversions of, of light and shadow and posture. Did that one, do you know which one I'm talking about? Ah, okay, it's the last one. The one on the right, the, okay. Um, scusa, Ebi, now I speak Italian. Okay, questa niente è sempre parte di. For this one, Lara wanted to play more with the, the light and shade in the expression of the face because the use of the hand slightly unfocuses the face. So she tried to play on the idea of ambivalence and create like, a, like an ambivalence in the expression. C'è un doppio quasi nel significato. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Oh, very cool. I, I admire all of the images uh, in that section, but, but that one especially. Staying at, at the Carbon Made website, let, let's go to the, the series called Behind. Tell me what the idea is here. Behind, there is filter di pelle, which can I translate with the skin filter or skin layers. It was published in 2010, and it's one of the first projects that Laura did using glass as a medium between the subject and the photographer. 
And, and what is it about the glass? And, and this is, I mean, many, many of the people at Friends will recognize the idea. You have a model, you have a subject, you know, on the other side of a piece of glass, and the glass is frosted or misted, or there's water on it, obscuring and, and diffusing the image. And yet these are not the standard trope there. I mean, th- these are extraordinary images. What about that medium? What about putting a, a, a piece of glass actually makes the idea sharper or more evocative? Non ho molto capito. Allora, sì. No, allora, eh, il, um, in realtà, glass makes it more poetic in a sense, and it gives it a more sort of old-fashioned quality because it's not perfectly in focus and it has that sort of veil over it. One reason for using the glass is that it sort of reflects Laura's state of mind and that she feels sort of that she's living behind glass. But it also, she uses it also for the aesthetic, so it makes the image slightly hidden and more tactile and invites the viewer to sort of reconstruct it themselves. ...reconstruire questa immagine che non si vede completamente. Are these, and I have a reason for asking this, are, are these reconstructed selves? Cosa vuol dire? What do you mean, Scott, what do you mean with reconstruct? We don't understand. Do you mean physically or psychologically? No, 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 no. Well, let's put it this way. Are you familiar with mirror therapy for phantom limb pain? For people who have had arms or legs amputated but are experiencing what's called phantom limb pain, where their senses tell them that limb is still there, there is a kind of therapy where they put a mirror essentially right down the middle of your body. And what you see, if you have your right arm, you see your right arm reflected as your left. And it, it, it's a way to help people overcome or reconstruct themselves, you know, by a reflection. It, it strikes me as informative as a way to approach your work, because what you have are these reflections sort of reconstructing a, a new self from parts that may or may not actually be there. And that's not only with the piece of glass between you and the model in, in this one series, but it's also in the collages and the, the affection for reflections that we're going to get to uh, in just a second. Does that make sense? I will read something about it later because I find it really interesting. I learned about it at a children's museum where they had people walk up to this mirror and they would move their left arm and not see it. They'd move their right arm and their left would move. It it was a fascinating uh, experiment at this museum. But okay, back to being on focus here. Laura, you pointed out that one of your favorite photographs on the Frames Magazine Facebook page is from March 18th and, and it's an image called Drop a Line. Tell me about that picture. Tell me the story of that picture, both on site and in post-production. And tell me what you think I should be thinking about when I'm looking at it. Allora, la foto l'ho fatta in Marocco, ad Agadir. So the photo was taken in Morocco and it's an image of people um, who were walking across the sand and it was reflected and so the picture is obviously of the reflection and she likes this idea of the shadows uh, making the image sort of more hidden. 
Absolutely. But there's also the center section to this image, which is in focus. It's not blurred. Um, and, and clearly there is artistic intent here, if, if not an argument. T tell me about the reason for that center stripe, that center section in the image. So during post-production of the image, Laura made it black and white and she added some sort of scratches and some texture to it. And then for a reason that she can't rationally explain, just following her intuition, she reflected part of the image as well. So you can see reflections of their reflections. And when she looks at the picture herself, it makes her feel emotional and it stirs something up in her because it makes the characters in the image seem almost like sort of creatures, like otherworldly creatures. So she hopes that when somebody looks at the picture, they can particularly appreciate the contrast between the water and the sky and, and then the creatures themselves as well. Okay, but clearly, I mean, I can see these people's feet and I can see their connection to the sand and it gets blurrier. The feet, you mean? Yeah. Ah, okay, but that was the picture itself, uh, because the feet uh, were not reflection. The first, the first, the feet is not a reflection; is the body. Ah, okay. I want to switch over now to your Flickr stream, and everybody, it's Flickr.com/people/guess what? Laura Visigali. And some absolutely stunning work here. A list of exhibitions, of course, you know, all, all the things that make life absolutely fun for photographers. In the, in the gallery, they're called faves or, or favorites. There is an awful lot of work that is not with mirrors or with reflections and stuff. So pick one of these, anyone, I don't care. Uh, and, and tell me why this made your, your favorites category. Allora, ce n'è una con delle mani. Okay, so um, there's a picture within the album, I haven't been able to find it, but it is a picture of a pair of hands with the nails done. The hands belong to Laura's aunt, who's 92 years old, and uh, she says that she's quite um, a unique, sort of unusual person. She's always very well-groomed, very made up, and Laura likes to create images and portraits of people that don't just involve their face. She she likes to take pictures also as well of parts of them, like characteristic parts of them. So, for example, the picture of this pair of hands is not just for the rings that she's wearing, but also for the lines and the wrinkles that, that those hands have as well. I'm looking at the image right now, and it is a very compelling image because of, of that, uh, for lack of a better expression right now, a duality or, or a two-subject composition. You have the beauty, the elegance, the timelessness of the rings, and you, then you've got the quite aged hands made beautiful by the rings and by the nail polishes as well. So just at a texture level, it, it's really compelling. Laura, are, are your photographs arguments? Are, are you putting a thesis out there about the nature of beauty or are they something else? Ma penso che 
more than trying to catch. So Laura is, is fascinated by not quite things that uh, that have a sort of anxious undercurrent, but things that are maybe slightly darker um, in terms of what she sees in her reality. Beauty is hard to define, obviously. Um, her work is very personal, so she never really wants to try and capture beauty per se. You know, people often ask her to take portraits, but she she doesn't know whether they'd be happy with the portraits that she makes because capture things that are maybe slightly darker or slightly things that capture her but aren't necessarily beautiful. I, you know, I had not thought about using using the term anxious as not right, but pretty close to a lot of these images. Because even when we get all dressed up for a portrait, we're sort of anxious about the way we look. You know, something as simple as, as you know, going out for a date with a husband or a wife, you know, yeah, you're still a little anxious about how everything's going to go. And I think that comes through in this work, that kind of nervousness or apprehension one last one last question well actually two last questions the the fascination with water i mean obviously water is is symbolically loaded through all of literature and and art where do you think that comes from with you Laura likes to use a medium, whether it be like water or glass or a mirror between the subject and her camera because she likes to see movement and she likes to sort of see things happening. And so the idea of taking pictures of water that's moving, for example, when water is moving, it changes the colors and the shapes of things in and around it. So it's almost like trying to capture sort of a fleeting moment that couldn't be stopped otherwise. But you're not taking pictures of, you know, long exposure pictures of waterfalls and, and this kind of stuff. You're, you're using the filters, whether it's glass or a mirror or, or water, to get at something deeper. How? For Laura, reality is made up of a series of different of different moments and different things and materials. And so the act of, say, stopping moving water comes from her fascination with, with the idea of mutation and growth. And there are a lot of things in reality that we think we see. And Laura used the example of the color red. So she often wonders whether everyone in the world sees the same shade of the color red or sees the same color of red, you know, for across different countries and cultures, etc. And so she wants her photography to tell the story of a complex reality through her perspective on it. And I think doing that, that remarkably well. Last question, um, Laura, COVID messed up the, the entire planet. It has been um, a disaster for photographers. It's been a real bounty for photographers as well. We thought we were coming out of it. Now it seems with the Delta variant, you know, that, that we're not. Tell me about the last year in terms of your work and, and tell me what's next. What, what are you working on in the next year? 
Beh, la pandemia ovviamente mi ha reso un po' triste. So obviously the pandemic has been very difficult and it was difficult for her, I think, the idea of staying at home. And then at the beginning of this year she decided to push the boat out, which is the translation of the saying we were discussing earlier. Um, and she enrolled in a photography school in Florence, so she started studying again. And she also did an internship in post-production for photography. And one of the main projects that's coming up for Laura is that in September she's taking part in a women's photography competition using images of her late uncle, so her mother's late brother. Oh, very interesting. I can't wait to see those images. L Laura, this work is beautiful. It is compelling. It is evocative and moody. And I will admit I am a great fan. This is the kind of stuff that I look at and, and I want to do this kind of work myself when I grow up. Thank you very much for spending some time with us today. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Scott. I'm uh, very happy to have been invited here. It's been a beautiful experience for me. It's my first podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I have to, to, to drink some water. <laughs> uh, that's okay. And Abby what, Abby, what a pleasure to work with you again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me back on. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.